When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I stood in the observation room, looking through the window at one of the many large, colorful spiders in the containment room. Wow, I said. Those are some pretty spiders. Pretty? Lars said next to me. You think they're pretty? What's wrong with you? Come on, man, I said. You've got to appreciate them, even if you don't like spiders. The spotted orange and yellow body, the yellow and black striped legs, fantastic. Maybe if they weren't so damn big, I wouldn't be so creeped out. Those are the biggest spiders I've ever seen, Lars said. Yes, they are much larger than the regular golden silk orb weavers found in the wild, Dr. Barnes said, coming up behind us to look in at the spiders. The bigger, more colorful ones are the females, right, doctor? I asked. Yes, he said. Very good, Mr. Caden, I said. You can just call me Julian. I don't have a phobia. I just don't like spiders, Lars said by way of introducing himself. It's perfectly normal. Yes, Dr. Barnes said. I suppose it is. So what's the deal here, Doc? Lars asked. They didn't tell us anything about what we're doing down here. Just that you needed some extra help. So what do these spiders do? Are they poisonous? Maybe they spit caustic venom or something? No, nothing like that, Barnes said. The spiders themselves are relatively harmless. They don't attack humans unless provoked. Other than the fact that they're particularly large, they're not special in and of themselves. It's their webs that have unique properties. The containment room was rather large, perhaps 30 feet long and 30 wide, with a ceiling 15 feet tall. There were poles placed around the room made of imitation wood. The dozen or so spiders in the room used these fake wood poles as anchor points for their circular webs. The silk of the webs did have a golden hue to it, so it was easy to see where they got their name. The webs themselves reminded me of the quintessential spider web, like something a child would draw if asked to draw a spider web. The irregular circles that formed the web grew smaller from the outside in designed to snare unsuspecting insects that the spiders needed to survive. At least, the regular ones. I wasn't sure how these spiders got their sustenance, as all the webs were currently free of insects. What's special about the webs? Lars asked. Well, it seems that the webs snare items from dimensions and universes other than their own, Dr. Barnes said, matter-of-factly. Both Lars and I turned to look at him. Say that again? I 
ask. Yes, it's a lot to take in, he said. We're not yet sure how this happens, only that some of the things we've seen caught in the webs clearly don't belong to our universe. Some of the things that appear could be from our world though. Things like scraps of paper, bits of trash, leaves, and other mundane items often come through. But lately, we've been getting some stranger items. Like what? Lars asked, still staring at the doctor in awe. We'd both worked for the foundation for long enough to see some very strange stuff. But this was something else. Proof of other dimensions, other universes, told to us in such a matter-of-fact way, it was hard to swallow. Well, Dr. Barnes began, the latest strange object was something I can only describe as an insect. It was about a foot long and had what appeared to be wings and four legs. However, when it was exposed to the oxygen we take for granted, it exploded. Clearly, it came from a place where oxygen did not exist or did not exist in this creature's natural habitat at least. Holy cow, Lars said, that's crazy. Yes, well, that's why you're here. Both of you are, I'm told, excellent at quelling containment breaches. We've had our moments, I said, turning back to look at the spiders and their webs. Good, because, look, Lars said, pointing to the far corner of the containment room. Something just appeared. I peered into the room, leaning forward and squinting. There looked to be a large green and black butterfly caught in one of the webs, trying to break free. A spider came down from the top of the web, approaching the butterfly with amazing speed and grace, its eight black and yellow striped legs moving expertly over the web. As it reached the butterfly, its long front legs pinned down the flapping wings. Then it pierced the insect's body with its fang-shaped jaws. Now you see, Dr. Barnes said, most of the time, the spiders deal with whatever comes into their webs. If it's something they can eat, they inject it with venom and then feed on it in due time. But if it's something they can't eat, I asked. If it poses a threat to us or the spiders, you're here to take care of it, Dr. Barnes said. This'll be a fun one, Lars said. Every few months, there's a two-week window in which things typically appear on a regular basis. It started today. So once that window is over, you can go back to your old jobs. Hopefully the next window isn't so eventful, Dr. Barnes said. The doctor headed back to his office, leaving Lars and I to decide who would take the first shift. I volunteered, and Lars headed down the hall to a little room with cots where he could sleep until it was his turn. I settled into a chair to watch and wait, something I'd grown used to during my career at the foundation. Hours passed before anything else appeared. And when the thing came, I didn't even see it at first, not until the spider moved in on it quickly, the fast motion catching my eye. It almost looked like a miniature pig, only it had six hoofed legs and it was completely gray and hairless. Its head couldn't be called a head at all, because there was no neck, only a flat face with three slits I assumed were eyes and a permanent O for a mouth. The creature was caught in one of the webs in the middle of the room. I watched closely as the spider came up to it, pausing as if to inspect it. 
The six-hoofed legs pumped as the creature tried to free itself from the web. The spider lunged forward, sinking its fangs into the creature. But where the other spider had pulled its fangs out of the butterfly after a moment, this one didn't. It tried to, pulling back to free itself, but it couldn't. In fact, as I watched, the spider seemed to be drawn into the creature. First, the spider's head disappeared into the creature, then its thorax, followed by the front legs and the abdomen, then the back legs. This happened over the span of about two minutes, and the gray creature grew in size as it absorbed the spider. Over the course of the next minute, the creature changed, morphing into a gray and sloppy version of the spider it had just consumed. Getting over my amazement, I stood up from my seat and picked up my radio. Dr. Barnes, Lars, you two better get in here. While I waited for the two men to come back, I watched the newly formed gray spider lumber down off the web, inexpertly navigating to the floor. It headed over to another spider web and crawled up, heading straight for the spider there. Dr. Barnes opened the door to the observation room and rushed inside. What is it? That thing, I said, pointing to the gray spider. It wasn't a spider when it showed up. It absorbed a spider and then transformed into that. Lars came in and all three of us watched as the gray creature attacked and consumed another spider. It grew as it absorbed the second spider, getting large enough to break the web it was on. Turning its sights on the nearest spider, the now large creature scurried over. We can't let it get any larger, Dr. Barnes said. We need to stop it. Okay, I said. What kind of fail-safes do you have in this room? I don't see controls for an incinerator. How about acid? No, Barnes said. I need you to do it without killing the other spiders. Seriously? Lars said. We have to go in there? That's the job, Barnes said. That's why I requested you two. I'll go, I said, grabbing one of the hazmat suits from a locker against the wall. But you need to get ready to come in for backup, I said to Lars. Yeah, he said, stepping over to another locker. I got your back. Try not to touch any of the spider webs, Barnes said. We're still not sure how the webs work, but I wouldn't want to risk getting sent to another dimension. Yeah, great advice, I said. I waited for Lars to get into his hazmat suit before I headed into the chamber, grabbing a rifle and a cattle prod out of the armaments locker before heading in. I slung the rifle strap over my head and kept the cattle prod handy. I knew that standard protocol was to try and subdue any unknown life forms that we came across. But if that didn't work, I had the rifle. I stepped into the airlock between the observation room and the containment room and waited for it to cycle. Once the green light came on, I opened the containment room door and stepped inside. There was a central corridor between the imitation wood poles where there were no webs, presumably because someone kept it clear, or maybe because it was too small for the spiders to bother with. They needed room to stretch out their webs, and the central corridor was only about four feet across. The creature was over to my right. Having just finished attacking and absorbing another spider, it was now nearly as tall as me. It turned its attention my way as soon as I stepped into the room. Under normal circumstances, this would have been a bad thing. But since I only had the central corridor to work with, I hoped it would come at me. And it did. 
Other spiders scurried out of the way as the gray spider-like creature lumbered my way, crashing through webs. I stood my ground, waiting until it got closer. Just as it was bearing down on me, I ducked and rolled to my left, deeper into the room. As I came up to my knees, I reached out with the cattle prod and touched it to one of the creature's legs. It seemed to work for a second, the two prongs at the end of the prod buzzing and emitting a faint blue light. But then it stopped, and I saw that the tip of the prod was all the way in the creature's leg. I let the prod go, and it stood where it was, stuck in the gray leg. The creature turned to look at me, the two little gray-black eyes set high in its head, staring at me. My eyes flicked to the leg I'd stuck the prod in and noticed that it was almost completely gone. The spider's fangs moved, and between them, little sparks of blue electricity crackled. Oh, you've got to be kidding me, I said, grabbing the rifle from where it hung at my side. I leveled it at the spider and fired a short burst. The creature winced, but did not fall. It stood there, looking at me, making no other move. Then it flinched forward on its eight legs, and a bullet ricocheted off the wall behind it. Don't shoot it anymore, Dr. Barnes said over the radio. The bullets are coming out of its rear abdomen, where a normal spider generates silk. Just get out of there. We'll have to try something else. Oh, now you want to try something else? I said, thinking about how the hell I'd get out of the room, with the spider creature blocking the only exit. The rest of the spiders in the room, the normal spiders, were keeping their distance, smart enough to know what would happen to them if they attacked. The creature shot a few more bullets out of its ass, and then it charged me, racing down the central corridor. I ducked left, sliding under a spider web to get out of the way. The gray spider creature turned and slowed, not graceful enough on its clumsy legs to stop quickly. It raced back at me, coming straight at me from where it had stopped plowing through spider webs as it came. There was nothing I could do. I was surrounded by other webs, ones that were too close to the ground for me to slip under. I decided to take my chances and hope that the spider webs wouldn't transport me to another dimension, but I needed to time it perfectly. I waited until the spider creature was close, knowing that it couldn't turn quickly. If I waited and moved at the last second, I could get back to the door while it was still trying to get turned around. I looked into its dark, beady eyes as it came bearing down on me. It crashed into one last web between us and disappeared. It was just gone, leaving the taut spider web it had touched vibrating like a plucked guitar string. Holy shit, I said, taking a moment to thank my lucky stars. That was close, too damn close. Julian, Lars yelled over the radio. Run. What, I said sensing movement behind me. I turned around to see a large creature like a giant armadillo without any legs, coated in spider webs. It reared up, separating its segmented shell to reveal rows of triangular teeth, like a shark's mouth on steroids. You're kidding me, I said, as the creature fell on me, teeth first. SCP-848-1 is a colony of Nephila clavipes, also known as banana spiders, or golden silk orb-weaving spiders. Specimens of SCP-848-1 are approximately 15% larger and significantly stronger and faster than normal specimens of Nephila, but generally no more dangerous than a typical spider of the genus. They do not exhibit any particular hostility to humans in their containment. SCP-848-2 is the web 
created by these spiders. As with the webs of normal banana spiders, SCP-848-2 can be enormous, often reaching diameters of five meters or more. The silk used in the production of these webs is somewhat stronger than the web of normal banana spiders, but otherwise appears normal in composition. Anomalous objects will periodically appear on these webs, despite having no plausible explanation for their origin, leading to the belief that SCP-848-2 is able to catch objects from extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional locations. SCP-848-1 is able to feed on most insects found on SCP-848-2 and thus does not need to be regularly fed.